Baza, a.k.a. Friends of Zane Adams, is dedicated to providing education, information, and resources to bring more awareness to maternal mental wellness, stop the suicides, and support the children who are left behind. Research shows one in seven postpartum moms experience some form of depression that not only diminishes quality of life, but if left untreated, can lead to the 1-2% to experiencing postpartum psychosis, which is an even more serious condition. To find out how you can help Faza, Stop the stigma, the suicides, the silence, and the suffering caused by postpartum depression and related maternal mental health issues, please visit fazainc.org, F-O-Z-A-I-N-C.org today, or call 866-FAZA-INC. Remember, there's a role for everyone in the community who wants to help. Thank you. Greetings, FAZA fans. This is Paul Axner, and I want to welcome you to 2023. Wow, are we blessed because we're here. We're here with another episode of the Pfizer Podcast for Maternal Mental Wellness. And we are blessed to have you here with us. As always, we welcome our moms, our birthing people, our medical care providers, doulas, therapists, counselors, and all the advocates of maternal mental health. Now, I want you to please remember, if you or anyone you know is experiencing thoughts of suicide, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is much easier to reach now by dialing 988. And the National Maternal Mental Health Hotline is 833-943-5746. If it's challenging for you to find maternal mental health resources in your community, I invite you to visit the FAZA website and click on the resources. Right at the top, you'll see the FAZA Finder button, and you'll go to the page that you can just provide your zip code. No personal details are needed, and we'll help you find resources in your local area. So speaking of resources, we have a great one today from the Pennsylvania area. Johnny Gathers is joining us again, and some of you are still benefiting from the advice he shared in his first visit with us when he discussed the importance of accepting yourself and not stressing out over being perfect. Got a lot of feedback on that. And during your perinatal and postpartum period, you want to just go back, listen to that if you start feeling a little stressed about not getting things right. If you didn't catch that episode, you can listen at any time on the FASA playlist, and the links will be included on our webpage as well. Johnny, as you know, has uh, MSW and LSW credentials, and he's a practicing mental health therapist at Family Links, Inc., and a mental health therapist at Hand in Hand Counseling LLC in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He's the producer of the YouTube channel Mental Health Series, JG Mental Health Fridays. And you've got to check that out. We have the links here for you. You'll be able to check it out. But today, today he's back with us to start the new year with a message of encouragement and guidance focused on two words, try therapy. I think we've all heard about the benefits of therapy, and yet there are many perinatal and postpartum moms and birthing people who are suffering and struggling with mental disorders, including depression and anxiety, and so much more. 
So let me stop right here and welcome our guest. Greetings, Johnny, and welcome to the Pfizer Podcast, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's glad I'm welcome to be back. A new year, a new age, and everything. <laughs> well, I think you knew from the first time uh, that you were with us. I think we all knew you'd be back because your mental health series is so beneficial and everything you share is so worth following. So when I saw your campaign on Tri Therapy, I wanted our audience to know a little bit more about it. Okay. So with Tri-Therapy, surprisingly, the idea came from my friend Jessica Gurley, who is a licensed um, clinical social worker. She has her own practice, but she has her own mental health T-shirt line called Mental Health Tees. And within the, um, within the line, when the line got launched in 2018 and I actually got put out to the public in 2019, she had made, like, different shirts to just advertise the aspect of therapy, and one of the main things that kind of been the staple of the line is try therapy. So if you all follow me on social media, there are moments where I'll wear, like, some shirts that say try therapy, hoodies, um, sweaters, all those different things, because she makes those things. And with me being a brand, brand ambassador for it, I do promote, you know, the aspect of the line, but also promote the aspect of, well, mental health and wellness. So mainly that tri-therapy phrase came from her, but with it being a staple within the mental health tease line, it's just been, a, you know, an outgoing pour of seeing how it's important for individuals, including us as African Americans, to try therapy. Very good, very good. And very worthwhile because it's just another way of bringing to top of mind, another way I saw it as another way of bringing forth that consciousness, which we are always into. At FAZA, we have one word, awareness. We know that first comes awareness, and then you, when we know better, we do better. So when I saw that line, I know what you do. I know where you are. I know you spend all of your time, well, not all of your time, but a great deal of your time helping people understand that therapy is an avenue to take that's not to be uh, ashamed. There's no shame with it. There's no stigma with it. And, you know, we always want to say stop the stigma. And I think that that's one of the things that happens when people see that phrase going around, uh, even though they might be holding something inside because we don't know what people are holding inside. Uh, they might mm -hmm. think, well, and especially when, as you say, people of color are involved and for me, especially when men, men are involved, because that lets everyone know that you're not, um, you know, you're not ashamed to say, try therapy, especially if you feel like you're in trouble. We always say, if you feel down, speak up, but that's just another positive way of going about bringing about awareness. And you know what, you and I have talked offline about FISA mm -hmm. and some of the mothers we speak to and some of their concerns. And I told you that, and this is going to come out probably in our, um, in our thank you video, but I wanted some of the uh, audience to know that we're paying attention, we're listening. And I shared with you several questions, but the one main question that moms seem to come to us with, it kind of revolves around 
therapy. She may think she needs therapy, but she doesn't think her primary care provider is is on board with her. And she it's already a little bit of a dark subject. She might already feel like she's backing up. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted to ask from you is, you know, how can she, what is your advice for her to better advocate for herself um, and not be intimidated by everything that's going on around her? So, yeah, the thing is, it, this actually kind of goes hand in hand with a primary care doctor and a therapist because both a, a doctor and a therapist are supposed to be able to provide service. That's the main thing. But in order to provide service, you have to have relationship with the people that you are serving. So for a, a primary care physician, if they're not being able to say, okay, I'm here to serve you, then it kind of creates that burden for a particular patient or individual that are seeking services to say, okay, I might need another avenue, I might need this, and they can't really go to their primary care physician to talk about it because they already know that they're going to get turned, you know, turned down or turned away from it. Um, and I think within that aspect of building a relationship, it will be able to help the patient to be able to say things about what can be done within themselves. And I do and I actually wrote down some, some tips on what can what can be done for individuals that are, you know, have a difficulty when they see like their primary care physician doesn't seem to care about them. The first thing automatically what you have to do is say something. Because most of the times most doctors don't really realize what you're really going through. They might just say, Oh, you Take it, do, do this for a few days and then you'll be fine. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you might just need to get some rest and stuff. Or give, like, many, like, simple solutions but don't really get to really solve the full problem. So it's important for you to say what's really going on, saying what's really, on, you know, what's on your mind, what you're actually dealing with outside of what you came to the doctor's office for. Um, right. Because... Like I said, in a, you know, in our previous conversation before that, everything runs as a system. So, yeah, your physical health can be, you know, on point and stuff, but then your mental health could be affecting your physical health and stuff. Yeah. So those doctors need to actually realize, what you know, what you're going through across the board. And when it c- comes to the aspect of therapy, the reason why I said um, the work that a, a physician does, that a therapy does, you know, that a therapist does is that – you got to be able to have that ability to build a relationship, but also be able to have your patient and have your client say what's on their mind, say what's going on with them, say what are these different things that are affecting them. So, you know, basically the aspect of being open to say something. Another thing that needs to be brought up when you're in a doctor's office is just mainly probably just ask them to sit down and have a conversation with you because most of the times doctors, they're either – you know, up moving around. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, doctors are either sitting at their, you know, at their desk, they're on their computer, or you know, doing like fifty eleven things. But you mm-hmm. really just want them to like sit down and, you know, hear me out and stuff. Absolutely. And it's not, a, and it's okay to even act, like ask your doctor, can you sit down for a moment? I want to talk to you about something. And when you ask them that question and they actually sit down and listen to you, then that lets you know that, okay, I have 
a doctor that's in my corner, not just for me to get, you know, my regular health checkups, my um, exams and stuff. They actually want to hear me out fully when it comes to my care and my well-being. Absolutely. Wow. And then, and then also well, another what? thing that needs to be pointed out, too, along, along with the aspect of telling them to sit down and, like, actually have a conversation with you is be able to, like, point out the things that they're doing that's causing an effect on you. Because, you know, at most times within the doctors, you see, like I said, you see them doing a lot of things and you don't really realize, you kind of want to question, are they really listening to me? Are they really paying attention to what I'm saying and stuff? So you got to point out, you know, the multitasking aspect. And then you probably can say, you know, um, doctor, so and so, I'll wait till you're finished, but I really want to talk to you about something. Just for them, you know, just to one, give them like the grace of what they're doing, but then also to let them know that you need them. You need them at this time for something. You need them during this particular time of your day, during your appointment, to hear you out. Right. Absolutely. All good points and. If you don't think that I'm going to be pushing this, um, you you might get a little bit tired of just seeing your face because these are <laughs> no. I'm just saying that this conversation is the conversation that many moms uh, have uh, with us, even though we're online most of the time. It's that they don't feel as if they are being heard. Now I don't know if you've been keeping up with us, but we did two series in topic on the topic of journaling or personal diaries. And uh, we even had a medical doctor come on and speak uh, with us, and we have that in our past podcast. But that was a part of our conversation. Like sometimes a mom will get into the doctor's office. Our doctor, Dr. Alan Lindeman, he even spoke about when you have your clothes off, you are getting examined, and you might not be at your highest comfort level. Right. Uh, And journaling could help you gather your thoughts and be ready to speak to that doctor and get, or even your medical care providers, even if it's a team, and get them to understand that you have concerns and you need to, you know, feel better about what's going on. Because many times it's a first-time mom. Sometimes it's a many-time mom, but she's feeling things she never felt in her previous pregnancies. And mm-hmm. so it just slips off. She just doesn't really know what to say or how to express it. But sometimes when you're in your quiet moments and you write it down and you have that journal, and we never say journaling is the cure we just say that it is just a tool to help you gather your thoughts and kind of, and the daddy too, um, gather his thoughts, bring them in so that you can be focused and on target no matter what's happening in the doctor's office to make sure you get those questions answered before you leave. So what do you think about journaling and and bringing that to the uh, medical professionals? I think it's a good idea. And with journaling, journaling is a coping skill. Journaling is a coping skill just for you to just, you know, get all your thoughts, all your emotions on paper because there are moments where, 
most individuals don't really know how to say what they're really feeling or what they're going through or might not even be comfortable to say what they're feeling or going through. So they kind of want to write it down on paper first just to get it out of their, you know, get it out of their system. And, you know, you could, and the thing is you could journal about anything. You could just journal about how your day is going. You could journal about what's been affecting you. You can journal your experiences, what you, you know, went through at the doctor's office and how you kind of want to, you know, say, well, doctor, I feel like during this appointment, I didn't like when you did this. Um, I didn't agree when you did this. And you explain your, re- you know, explain your reasoning towards it and stuff. And then the same thing in the aspect of therapy, the same thing can be done too. You could journal, because I normally tell my clients this as well, it's like if you had like any emotions that you kind of experience outside of session, you know, write it down and bring it to, se- you know, bring it to session. So we could talk more into it and talk into deeper detail into it. And the thing is that needs to be brought up in the aspect of a role of a care physician and a therapist is that, you know, we don't really run the show. It's really our clients and our patients that run the show because they came to us for particular a particular service. They came to us for particular things that they already know that they want to get checked on or want to talk about or want to look into, and we're just guiding them along the process. So it's not saying that, oh, I'm the highest status, I'm a higher power, you should do this, you should do that, or you should do, you know, these other things. But, no, it's really the patient or the client that has that power to say, okay, well, I came to you for this. This is what I need done. This is what I need, I want to be, you know, want to focus on, and we just follow along within their process and then give recommendations while following along with that process. And I'm going to give you an, uh, an example of this when it, since we're talking okay. about primary care physicians. Over Thanksgiving break, I had to take my grandfather to their emergency room. Um, mm-hmm. He Sorry. told me he had, he had like a um, – he said his chest was hurting and he couldn't breathe and – and things like that. So I was like, Granddad, I'm taking you to the I'm taking you to the emergency room. Take you to the emergency room. While at their emergency room, bunch of nurses, bunch of doctors, they just, you know, coming in saying, you know, a little bit little bit of, you know, different things that then going by on their way. And mm-hmm. when I kind of got, ag- I don't want to say I got agitated with it, but I kind of was like over it because I'm like, why are we still sitting in this emergency room, we should be able to be, you know, moving on and everything. So I kind of had to step, you know, had to step up with, you know, for my granddad to say, okay, he's dealing with this. He has all these things. He takes these different medications. He has these, he already been through these different things within his, you know, within the past year uh, when it comes to like his health. And what is there? What are some things that y'all could do while he's, you know, going through this and stuff? So I had to, you know, been at his corner as like his backup and support for him to be able to get the the quality care that he needed outside of Absolutely. just worrying about the particular health thing that he was going through. Absolutely. By the grace of God, he was able to, you know, get through a certain thing. They was able to work through some things with him and also make sure that he went through like the certain procedures and he went came home a couple of days after you know, the following, you know, a couple of days after the holiday and everything just for him to settle down. But the main thing that he was worried about the most, even though he was worried about his, you know, his 
his chest and his heart and everything, which we had found out it was due to fluid and his low, you know, heartbeat and stuff. Which they worked through. They worked through that. They gave him diuretics and they gave him, you know, the pacemaker to work, you know, for him to help with his heartbeat and everything. But the main thing that was struggling with him during that time of his stay in the hospital was being comfortable. He was uncomfortable in the bed that he was in and everything. And I had to tell, you know, I had to tell the nurses and the doctors, like, he's uncomfortable. He's not, he's not, you know, he's not even comfortable to even relax until coupled, until that following Sunday of things, you know, that following Sunday while he was in the hospital, we found out he was able to get transferred into, you know, the ICU. And when he got transferred to the ICU, that's when he was in a comfortable bed, got better pillows and everything, a better, he had a better nurse, a, a, a better nurse that took care of him and took care of his needs. From the beginning, you were his advocate. And he might not have ever gotten many of the things he got in order to uh, bring him comfort and and. And stop the circle, stop the cycle, because a part of what was going on with him was anxiety, and his comfort level was not great, so that didn't help the anxiety, and that plays directly into what happens. You're absolutely right. That was a great example, playing directly into what happens with moms, even though they're not in an emergency situation. And I'm so glad, thank God, that he came through it, and the the gift was you were there to advocate for him, and that's what we like to tell our moms. You know, sometimes people don't really, I'm not, I'm not saying they don't understand, but they don't really want to hear that, and I think that's from a history of, of grooming. Uh, and I'm not a, a medical professional. I'm just a regular person, okay, who lost a loved one from a tragedy. But I feel like the trust issue with the medical profession has a lot to do with something that you said. You said you're not, the, the medical profession shouldn't feel like they're higher uh, than we are. Just they have information we don't have. They have a level of education we don't have. They have a level of knowledge we don't have. But when we say what's on our mind and how we're feeling and what we're going through, we expect them to listen. And I think mm-hmm. that's where the disconnect has come in over time uh, because I'm quite mature uh, and I've had several children and I know full well that I have had those moments in a doctor's office where I didn't feel like I was being heard. And it wasn't an emergency. I just didn't feel as if I was being heard. So when moms contact us, and FISA, and they don't, they're not even secure in their insurance situation. They don't even, they sometimes don't even feel like they deserve or they qualify for attention. They, that's their inner feeling. That's what they're telling us. And then they get into a situation where they're not getting the attention that uh, reinforces that lack of trust. So what you're telling us in the advocacy that you did for your grandfather is what we need to do for ourselves. If we don't have someone to do it for us, that mom, she has to find that strength Mm -hmm. because she has to be her best advocate if she doesn't feel 
comfortable. If she didn't, if she doesn't feel comfortable, if she feels, we always say your gut is your best barometer. Trust your in, inner feelings. We tell moms, trust your inner feelings. If you don't feel right, speak to someone about it. So am I on track with you when I say, number one, we are our best advocates and we should look, we should trust ourselves and we should look for medical care providers who are going to look us in the eye and make us feel comfortable. Yes, I agree. I, 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 I definitely want my audience to hear this. I think anyone who's uh, ever been to a doctor has felt that higher-up kind of thing. Like, I'm here. They know what to do. <laughs> but they don't always know what to do if we don't tell them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, might, I might have mentioned this in one of my previous uh, podcasts on my last pregnancy. I was um, really, I was old for that time in my life. I was 30 years old. And, of course, uh, now, of course, that's not the way it is. But I was considered a geriatric, actually. And... But I was healthy. I was in great shape. I felt good. I was going to the doctor that had been recommended to me by my primary care physician, whom I love and trusted. So he recommended the obstetrician. I was happy to go to him. One day on the way to the office, I fell down. It was icy. It was January. And I slipped and fell right outside, almost right outside of his office. And I was, I was, I was beside myself. Maybe, maybe beside myself more than I should have been. But I didn't feel anything coming back from him. He might have been a world class obstetrician. I might have had the best insurance in the world. But I knew I was never going back to him. I don't. I didn't need. I didn't need him to cry with me or be upset with me. I needed something. I don't know what it was at the time, but I needed something that he didn't give me. He gave me what I thought was a brush off. Mm. I, my, I, my hip hurt. I fell on my hip. I didn't fall on my stomach or anything. I fell on my hip, but I was shaken, and I was, I was not real pregnant. You know, I was only like three or four months pregnant, but I felt as if he didn't, I told him how I felt, and I felt as if he, he didn't respond in kind. And I knew that I was never coming back again from that simple thing. He might have thought that he didn't want to worry me and he was reassuring, but I felt I didn't feel that way. I found an obstetrician that understood I was concerned about my age, I, I had an obstetrician that understood I was, I was a little bit anxious, so forth and so on, and I came forth with a beautiful baby girl, and I never had another issue. But I'm a kind of a strong person. I'm not going to just sit back and just take anything. So I want my moms who feel like, well, the doctor knows. He knows what to, he, he knows what to say. He knows what to do. I want them to also trust their own instincts. And if they don't feel as if this person is in care of them, cares about them, I mean, looks them in the eye, 
and cares about them that they should think about, is this a doctor for me to take me through my journey? And, whoa, did I go off on that? <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's about experiences. And it's yep. about looking, and that's a big thing. Just you brought up the biggest thing, that they're there, they're there to do a job. If you don't have any problems, they don't have any problems. Right. So moms, dads, it's okay to look for someone who cares. It's okay. it, you, they're definitely trained and clinical, and if you feel like you need more than just the time, and, and you can uh, back me up here, Johnny, if I'm right or wrong, if you feel like you need more than just the time that you have in that appointment because you have some things going on and your doctor doesn't give you um, any kind of test or any, ask you any other kinds of questions or even ask you if you'd like to have a deeper conversation or speak with a therapist, that's a flag. Mm-hmm. Is that a flag? Yeah, that is a flag. And what I want to bring up, too, in that aspect as well is if you don't feel comfortable with what the doctor is saying, you can go into, like, the doctor's within the, within that practice or that office and ask if there is a specialist because a specialist can help you know, hear more things out as well, and that specialist can say, yeah, I agree. I think you could go to, ther- you know, go to a therapist and talk about, you know, these different things and stuff. So most doctors do, and well, doctor's offices and, you know, places that you go to, they should have a, um, a specialist to be able to, like, share, you know, those, to go deeper into the conversation about certain things that you kind of have, like, H's thoughts on or even have more questions on about it. So, Johnny, do you think that in in theory, I know all pregnancies are not planned, but this day and time, I think that more thought and um, research goes into planning a family than ever. I think as we go on, uh, we are finding that more people, even pe- and people of color, people all over the world, people in the U.S., everywhere, they're, they have a thought towards, oh, we're starting our family, we want to know more. Um, do you think that they should be looking at the big picture when they're looking at their obstetrician and not just at the obstetrician and the obstetrician's team, but also the support team for that doctor? Like therapists and psychiatrists? So when, all right, so if so say if I had a lady and we are planning to, you know, have a baby and everything like that, there might be a times where, uh, say if my, if my lady had difficulty with even trying to, you know, being able to conceive. If she has difficulty with being able to conceive, Maybe that might be a time to, you know, say, all right, I want, I need to talk to a, a OBGYN doctor or someone that could help out with that. And off rip, if the relationship is not good with the OBGYN doctor, then how we're going to be able to thrive into 
being able to have the process of trying to conceive and have a baby. So it right. actually starts from there where we have to do our research on who we want on our team when it comes to wanting to bring another child into, you know, into this world. And then also when it comes to the aspect of looking at, you know, within the team, that might be looking into saying, okay, I got my OBGYN, I got my primary care physician, I might need to get a th- have a therapist on the, you know, right in the back end as well. Just having a bunch of different people and resources within your team, but making sure that the resources that you have within your particular team is still giving you that same relationship. And I said it starts from the beginning where trust is important and building a relationship is important because those professionals see a lot of people. They see a lot of people. And they right. might not even they might not even remember you and say say if they come to you know, you go to your next appointment and they say, Who are you again? And then you be like, Excuse me, I just was I just was with you last week. You should know who I am and stuff. But that's how the, the cycle goes because they're so used to being quick, 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 quick and everything right. and there might be a, there might be times where most most professionals that's in that corner don't really get the aspect of building a relationship. And that's why it's important to find professionals within those different dynamics that I just listed that will be able to build a relationship with you. And once you're able to get that relationship aspect with you, you know, for you, then you can be able to build, that can help to build on within your process of what to conceive and to bring a child into the world. Um, Another thing in that aspect, and I I do want to tie it, to therapy, too, is you don't have to stay with that particular um, professional. You don't have to stay with that particular professional. If you feel like that professional is not meeting to your standard and not meeting to your needs, you can go search and look for somebody else. It's just like us, you know, when our car, if you don't like the car that we're driving or our car gives out on us and we don't want that car no more, where do we go to? We go to the next dealership or we go online to start looking for new cars. And that's the thing we have to look, look at when it comes to our professionals, when it comes to our doctors, when it comes to our therapists, when it comes to anyone that we want to provide a direct, that we want to get services from, if they not up to par, it's okay to look around. It's okay to, you know, research right. and look for somebody else that will fit right. to your standard and fit to your needs. I think that what happens a lot of times when it's like, God forbid, cancer or something like that, the, the, the term second opinion comes right in almost, almost a part of the first conversation is like, Second opinion. Did you get a second opinion? But um, it doesn't always, you know, uh, always play out that way with uh, the perinatal and and the postpartum period. But you're absolutely right. But in doing that, that mom and that family needs to kind of think about the fact that they are the advocates for that. And even though the professionals are just that, they're professionals, they are working on the information that we provide them. But, Johnny, I know you, I can't, I don't know, I know you haven't been watching your watch because we've been having a good time, but the time <laughs> has just, the time has just gone by, you know. And we know that you're based in Pennsylvania, but you have a broad reach nationwide because you host your own and produce your own mental health uh, show on YouTube, Mental Health Fridays. And so please yeah. tell us 
how get, tell everybody how to get in contact with you. You know, we're going to have your links in the podcast uh, description so that people will be able to get in contact with you. But we just want you to tell them yourself the best way to get in contact with you. So if people want to get in contact with me, they could reach out to me on Instagram at JG the Mastermind. Also, if you watch my JG Mental Health Friday videos, or if you want to watch my JG Mental Health Friday videos, you just type in my name, Johnny Gathers, on YouTube, and my profile will pop up, and all my yeah. videos will pop up as well. And even when you click on a video to watch, in the description part of each video, I leave my contact information. So my Facebook, my Instagram, my LinkedIn profile, even my website, my uh, personal website, where you can reach out to me more you know, to connect me through email and everything. If you want me for like different speaking engagements, any other opportunities that you want me to do, just be a part of something that you can reach out to me there as well. You're you're just you're just generous, and don't think that this is the last time we're going to have you here. This is just the first of the year, so uh, we mm-hmm. just. I'm just happy that you took the time, you know, to stop by. I want to thank you just once again for joining us. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for what's coming in the new year. And I pray that this is going to be a podcast that's going to be listened to by lots of moms. Get lots of moms thinking, birthing people, families thinking about the services that they're going to need in their perinatal and postpartum period and just go throughout our country because we are definitely looking at the U.S. Uh, We're looking at maternal mortality rates going down around the world, but not in the richest, one of the richest nations, if not the richest nation in the world. So father, fans, family, and followers, I want you to please stay connected to the father website that's fatherinc.org, and click on resources. Remember, the Father Finder is there to serve you. No uh, sensitive information needs to be provided. We'll just look in your zip code and do our best to find services for you. I want to thank all of you for your support. Each dollar you donate goes to bringing awareness to postpartum depression, preventing suicides, and supporting the children who are left behind. Until next time, this is Paulette Smith in a brand new year of hope and always in memory of Christina LaShawn Thompson Adams. Bye-bye.